Hey, what's up? This is episode 16, Pain Points of Wealth. And the song remains the same as Robert Plant once said, the famous singer for the band Led Zeppelin. And yes, this is a financial podcast, not a classic rock podcast, but no truer words can be spoken. We basically have the same story over and over again, basically. Pundits are concerned about the second wave of the coronavirus as I'm recording this. We have a change of regimen of government, new president, who's starting in January. What does that mean for the markets? Concern is abound. There's record cash, yet the market continues to go higher, as we predicted on this podcast weeks ago. So the big question is, where do we go now? That's what we're going to dissect on this week's Pain Points of Wealth. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Okay, guys, pop quiz. What's the highest mountain in the world? That's Mount Everest. Guess what? I got something that's higher. It's the Dow Jones Industrial Average at 30,000 for the first time, all-time record high. Well, you know what? The best part about that, Dad, is that not only did we climb Mount Everest, but we also climbed out of the Marianas Trench, which I believe is the deepest trench in the world, and went to the highest point of the world, which is pretty outstanding if you ask me. Wow. Chris is hooking up with some knowledge today. I'm impressed, Chris. Hey, we cover everything here, guys. We cover you know, rock history. We talk about song lyrics. We talk about geography. You know what? We're an all-purpose podcast. We don't just cover finance. We're just that good, Bob. We're just that good. But the question is, we're at 30,000 now, which is just an incredible number to hit, which I wouldn't have known if President Trump didn't have that press conference the other day. Aha. Uh-huh. But I think, you know, the big question is, is it time to just pack it in for the year, go on vacation, lock in our gains, go hang in Bob's new pad in Florida, or you know, what's to be concerned about now? Do we just keep riding this sucker up or do we take our profits and run? I think they're the two big questions on investors' minds right now. Hey, Ryan, that's not the real question. The real question is, how about all those retail money managers, institutional money managers, retail investors who didn't listen to our podcast, didn't get fully invested before the election is re-recommended, and they're sitting in cash? Chris, do you realize that there's $1.5 trillion sitting in retail money market funds which is higher now than it was at the beginning of the year? Well, as the old song goes, Dad, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. And this is the second time over the last 12 years that this has happened. This happened back in 2009, where there was a ton of cash sitting on the sidelines. The big money managers, the proverbial smart money, was waiting for the next big dip, and it never came. That's the problem, Chris. That's why I have so much scar tissue in my stomach lining. Back when I was a young lad like you, trying to time the market, I found out it's impossible. And I'll tell you what, there is no stress that anyone will ever know than being on the wrong side of a market that's just going straight up and you're sitting in cash and you're dead wrong on what you were thinking. Yeah. And Bob and I once had a hedge fund and we learned that mistake the hard way. And I still think I wake up in the middle of the night worrying about, is the market going to go up again? And I'm sitting in cash. Never again, Bob. Never again. Hey, Chris, you ever notice I'm the only one with gray hair? Your brother's got that beautiful blonde (laughs) curly locks, not a gray hair to be found. Well, with that, when you live the lap of luxury like Ryan, you tend to keep your hair color and your good looks. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I'm the oldest, the smartest. That could be a whole podcast topic as well. But I think what's remarkable here, guys, is the fact that every week, the economic data has just gotten better and better. 
And the only one surprised or the only place that people are surprised is Wall Street. They've been so wrong about this whole recovery. You know, just look at profits this last quarter. I mean, literally, we had 84% of the surprises in the positive, meaning earnings completely blew out what expectations were, and they did it by a margin of almost 20%. I mean, talking about being a little wrong, they're absolutely dead wrong about this market rally. This is what I don't understand, guys, because we're at the early stages of an economic recovery. We're in the early stages of a big, booming bull market. And what happens in every bull market I've ever been in is the surprises always come on the upside. You, know, you don't have negative surprises. They happen in bear markets. We're in a big, booming bull market right now. And it's not just the stocks that were working before. We have companies all across the globe that are going up right now and anticipating even bigger and better growth and higher earnings coming in 2021. Yeah, but you know what, guys? Like, I mean, I talk to like a lot of my friends and we're all millennials here and they're all saying, oh, you know, I can't handle this volatility. And all the news is saying is that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. That's what people are listening to. They're listening to all the bad news that's coming out. They're not looking at the economic data like we are. And I say to them like, well, why can't you handle it? And they're like, well, I, what if my money goes to zero? And I'm like, well, that's never happened in history. So, you know, I think people don't realize that the news is not the reality. No, that's a great point. I want to talk about this for a minute because think about this year. You know, every fear that we were concerned about came true, right? We were worried about the second wave of the coronavirus. I heard about it back in March, the second wave. Well, we're having the second wave. We're having lockdowns. You know, it's probably have some sort of detrimental effect on the economy short term. And all I heard about was this contentious election. And we're not going to know who the winner is for days. There's going to be legal battles. That happened too. <laughs> Yet the market went straight up which goes back to a really important point. If we know about it, if it's in the press, it's in the price, the market knows about it too. It's not ignoring that. But it's really the difference between being an informed investor, an educated investor, and just waking up every day and making it up. When you look at the history, the historical returns of the market, you look at the history of our economy, it always grows. It always goes higher. If you make a projection of where the S&P or the Dow or the Russell 2000 or the EFA index, if you look at it over the next 10 years, I'll tell you one thing, guys, it's going to be higher. I don't know when it's going to go higher, but it will be higher. So it's just a matter of educating yourself on the history of the market, understanding the market's always discounting future revenues and future earnings and looking at volatility differently. They shouldn't be afraid of it, Chris. They should be embracing it because that's how you create wealth. That's a really good point, Dad. You know what? Let's think about some of the stuff that there really is to look forward to. You know, We've got two viable vaccines that could be coming out in the near future. Earnings are getting better. And unemployment's getting better. So, you know, there's so many great things to look at in the future. And I think the upside is inevitable. You know, Chris, and here's the other thing. People that run companies, you know, CEOs, corporate executives, individual business owners are very smart people. And, you know, they've learned from experience. And when you have a downturn, the first thing to do is screw down all the costs. You know, like you and I, we kept our salary the same. We cut Ryan's salary back, right? We didn't have to spend as much in our offices because <laughs> the offices were closed. I had to sell my yacht. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, companies are leaner and meaner because they make smart decisions. They don't wait to see what's going to happen. They do it in, right away. So when things do turn, the impact to the bottom line is phenomenal so that you're going to see earnings not grow a little bit. You're going to surprise to the upside because no pundit understands what a corporate executive or a business owner is doing behind the scenes. Well, it's even simpler than that because you know I hear this too with my friends. I think millennials say this a lot too. Well, putting money in the market's a gamble, right? Like it's like you're going to the casino. Well, 
it is a bet for sure, but it's a bet on human nature. <laughs> it's a bet on the fact that humans are resourceful. I mean, think about everyone you know and consider yourself in this. Like when the pandemic hit, you were already thinking about what moves you were going to make, you know, proactively you were going to do. I mean, we did that with our business, guys. We sat down and we strategized. We said, we're going to rebalance here. And we thought about everything we can do forward looking to not only cut costs, to your point, Bob, but how are we going to grow our business? Where's the opportunity? Now extrapolate that out to like every other person in the world trying to make a better situation for themselves. That's a pretty darn good bet where I'm standing. Well, I got a better bet, Rye. And I got a better bet that's on the baby boom generation. You know, you guys are pikers when it comes to the baby boomers. I mean, we have all this pent up demand. You know what we love to do more than anything in the world is consume and spend. And we've been tied down for a year now. We're sitting here with all this cash. We're on budget. You know, we're just ready to go on cruises. We're ready to travel. We're ready to spoil our grandchildren. You know what? I'll tell you what, this economy is going to boom because the baby boomers are out in full force and they are ready to go. All right. It's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So guys, as you and I know, managing risk is one of the most crucial elements of a successful wealth plan. So I thought we could break down what risk really means to your portfolio and basically how do you really manage it, right? Like that's the name of the game when it comes to wealth management, financial planning. You know, risk guys is something that's only truly recognized in hindsight. You know, if you look up risk in the Webster Dictionary, it tells you that risk is the possibility of loss or injury. But if you really think about risk, it's the possibility of something bad happening. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like bad things, right? I don't like bad things that happen. So if you're risk adverse, which means you're always avoiding something bad happens, sometimes you know you just sit on your hands and inertia causes you to do nothing. Yeah, risk does cut both ways. So you know, if you're sitting in your hands, in this case, you're sitting in cash, that insidious tax inflation is going to eat away at your purchasing power. And you'll probably not to be able to be retired as long as you want to be. Yeah. And it's really interesting because if you look at, I saw a great article recently on millennials versus generation X and millennials now actually have less money at the same age that generation Xers did. And a lot of that has to do with just a lot of mistrust about investing in the markets. And if you look at the last 10 years, less people were invested in the market than the decade before. And what's crazy about that is a lot of us missed one of the greatest bull markets of all time. And it's just because there's all this fear around stock markets. There's all this fear around investing in the market. And that really just has to come down to not really understanding what the market is. It's not really a big casino like I think a lot of people view it. So, Rye, what you're saying is you know, people are risk adverse because the future is uncertain. But come on, guys, where do you get certainty? When is things ever certain? That's really true, Dad. And just to comment on Ryan's mentioned about millennials being more conservative, I actually um, helping out a friend of mine and I looked at his portfolio. He's my age, he's 40. He's almost 100% in bonds and cash. And when I went and showed him his projection about how long he'd have to work if he stayed invested like that, it changed his mind pretty quickly. Yeah, well, because the problem is, you know, when you sit in cash, you are losing money. <laughs> it is risk. I call it death by a thousand cuts because as the cost of living goes up, I mean, just a good rule of thumb. Every million bucks you have today is only worth a half a million dollars in 20 years. So you might think you're not being risky and because you're worried about losing money. Well, by default, by sitting in cash, you're actually losing money, which is actually a crazy concept. So, you know, I look at investing as actually a necessary evil. Like you have to invest just to keep up with what things are going to cost. It's kind of crazy. Well, it is, but it comes back to education. And you know, you go back and you think about your grandmother. She loved her passbook account. She had this little passbook. You know, it's like a little notebook and she'd get down to the credit union 
and they'd pencil in, you know, not even a statement, guys. They would pencil in, you know, the little bit of interest she made. And she was so happy because she knew that money couldn't go down. But she didn't really understand purchasing power. didn't understand inflation. And I think that's true of a lot of baby boomers today. I was working with a client the other day. He's a baby boomer and he sold a home, sent some money in. And he said, now, Bob, all the money you have up till now is, you know, I don't care about because that's going to my children. But this is the money I'm going to need to live on. Like they segregate different piles of money. It isn't in different buckets. It's all in one bucket. And what you need to understand is a total plan and have a total cohesive picture. So it's not unusual for people to not understand risk and to try to define it in a way that they understand. And you know, when you have the boogeyman like inflation, it's really hard for them to see something they can't touch and feel. Well, then you go to the other side of the spectrum and that's too much risk. And like you said, Bob, the problem with too much risk when it comes to markets is you don't know until hindsight. Because when the market's going up and up and up, you feel the safest. And Chris, I know a lot of Generation Zers right now whose diversified portfolio consists of Tesla, Bitcoin. If they really want to get diversified, they add that electric vehicle company Neo in there because it's in China. And you know, I know, like this is not going to end well. You know, we always preach about how important it is to invest on your goals. These Gen Zers are actually investing more on what they think is cool versus what's a good long term prospect for their portfolios. And then every generation has that can't miss strategy, right? I mean, your generation, Rye, thought buying a condo or an apartment in New York was a can't miss strategy. How's that going so far? Yeah, not so pretty in a pandemic. And I think we're all realizing that real estate was not as good an investment as we thought it was only a couple of years ago. But you know what? Everyone's making that mistake in the market right now, generationally. Just buying the S&P 500 now, you're basically not diversifying your money. And I can see that ending bad too. I mean, you have five stocks that represent 25% of the index. And if you look at it and you break it down, it's 40% of tech index. I call that a tech fund and drag. And I think a lot of investors right now are making that decision. They're concentrating their wealth in what's working. And the sad thing is, they're not going to know until it's too late. You've got to be proactive now. Yeah, you have to buy things that are value. You don't want to invest in something that's already hit you know, overvaluation. That's where diversification comes in. And that's why it's so critical. But you know, when you think about my generation, you think about the baby boomers, Chris, they still think you, the millennials, are living on the basement couch in their parents' home not making any money. Wait, Bob, Chris isn't living on the couch anymore? He's not in your basement still. Just reiterate that. That's because I don't have a basement, but I do have a couch. But the point is, you know, a lot of investors don't realize that as time passes and they get older, so does the previous generation. And as they retire and they walk away from those high paying income jobs, they're being replaced by millennials who aren't 20 anymore. They're 40 and they're making a lot of money and they're investing and they need to invest to catch up. Yeah, and I can attest to that. A lot of my friends are really starting to make money because they're coming to me and saying, hey, we need to have a plan here because I don't want to do this forever. What do we do, Chris? Well, you, know, you can't be too hot. You can't be too cold. You got to have a portfolio that's just right. And that's always based on people's goals and situation. And once you run some type of A to B analysis, some type of strategy like we do for our clients, it's actually a common sense decision. It's when you decide not to look at it, when you wake up every day hoping and praying it works. You know, Ryan, that's a strategy that I haven't found worked for anyone in my life. It doesn't. And the one thing about good investing is it's not about if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's the worst thing you can do. And this is the perfect example. Again, markets are going up and up and up. I'm riding that wave of growth stocks. I'm riding that wave of Tesla. And the reality of it is when those things turn around and go the other way, it's going to be too late. So the thing you have to force yourself to do, which is hard, is be very proactive about your financial planning. Like you said, Bob, start looking at like, hey, 
How much money do I want to have in 10, 15 years? And then going back and analyzing your portfolio to say, okay, I've got a lot of money concentrated in one area. I've got to get while the getting's good. I've got to make changes now while the wind's at my back. When you wait, that's when it's too late. Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for our free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click on the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. So Bob, Moderna is working with contract manufacturers to boost production so it can make 500 million to 1 billion doses of its COVID-19 vaccine next year. That's incredible. I'll tell you what, it is incredible, Rob. It's amazing what Moderna has been able to accomplish. Pfizer, AstraZeneca, we're still waiting to hear what J&J's got up their sleeve, maybe even Merck. But I'll tell you one thing, you know, these are the greatest companies in the world and they're going to distribute this vaccine. The one place I'm not going to go is Russia because Russia keeps making claims like, oh, they got 85% efficacy. Oh, we got 90. Oh, they're 95. Oh, we're 96. And we're going to get it everywhere out there. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not getting in line in Russia to use their vaccine. I'm going to stick here at the good old US of A. Chris did some research and said it's just a shot of vodka. So I don't know. Maybe that does the trick. Who knew? Chris, Yahoo.com found its way onto the S&P 500 in December of 1999, just four months before collapse in internet stocks that took the US more than a decade to recover from. In fact, if you bought Amazon at the peak in 1999, it took you 10 years to start seeing gains in that stock again. Well, that just goes to show you just because a stock gets introduced into an index doesn't necessarily mean it's going to perform. As a matter of fact, there is a statistic that says that stocks exiting those major indices tend to do better. Like, for example, recently Amgen replaced Pfizer. And you know how Pfizer's done since the announcement of their vaccine. Yeah, going straight up. And Exxon as well. Exxon went out this summer. And now with energy prices going up, it's not looking so bad. The other crazy thing about Yahoo is it fell victim to a better search technology being developed by a little known startup called Google. So, Bob, now Tesla will enter the SP 500 index as the world's most valuable car maker more than the combined values of the 10 largest auto companies in the world, already the 11th largest company by market capitalization on US exchanges. You know, Rye, every week you go out of your way to make a point that investing in the S&P 500 is not one-stop shopping when it comes to investing. And I think the thing that most of you are missing right now is that it's a global economy and China is coming on strong. Right now, there's 119 homegrown electrical vehicle companies in China, and they got 1.4 billion potential customers. They might be buying Chinese cars over Tesla cars. Yeah. And just like we couldn't have seen Google replacing Yahoo as our favorite search engine back in 2000, well, you never know what kind of creative destructions around the corner. Just like they say in Silicon Valley, Rye, only the paranoid survive. Yes. Andy Grove of Intel, Bob, great quote. 
Chris, speaking of Tesla, Bitcoin and Tesla have been going up in tandem this year. That's all I own in my portfolio. Bitcoin is up 147% for the year and nearing its all-time high of 19783 Is it time to move to crypto, Chris? I want to know. America wants to know. It kind of reminds me of the cola stock that came out a few months ago on that SPAC where everybody was crazy about it with a truck that didn't even function. Well, Bitcoin's kind of the same way. Ray Dalio actually tweeted that there's really not much you can buy with Bitcoin at this point, and it's really not a primary medium of exchange. So I'm not feeling too confident about it, right? Well, everyone and their mother right now has been talking about it like it's the next currency. So I suspect when we all know about it, we're all talking about it. It's like back in the day when John F. Kennedy's dad said he was getting tips from the shoeshine boy, that was time for the market to go down. See the same kind of speculation happening right now. Bob, a study of real returns of the entire stock market found that in the international markets from 1990 to 2018, less than 1% of all companies generated 100% of the real wealth creation from stocks. Man, that's a small pool of stocks pulling all the weight. Yeah, but Rod, how easy is that? All you have to do is study the balance sheet and the analysis of 10,000 individual companies globally to find that 1%. I mean, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And it's unbelievable that people think they can do that. And it actually is impossible to predict what's going to happen, not just next week, but over the next 10 years. Forget about it. Yeah, those odds are completely out of your favor. Hence, that's why indexing works. Chris, in China, the occupancy rate in hotels was back up to 80% in October from a low of 10 to 20% earlier this year. Well, considering that the travel and leisure industry has probably gotten hit the hardest this year, I imagine the same is happening in China. And considering China was the first place where the coronavirus hit, I would imagine that's pretty telling for the economy and what we have in store in the future. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. I was talking to a client today and he basically is a big traveler. You know him well, Chris, and he loves to travel around the world. And he had to cancel two trips this year. And he said, you know, I just don't think travel is going to come back like it used to. And I said, well, you know, when that vaccine comes out, I'm going to Europe, I'm going to France, I'm going to have the best time. And he goes, you know what? I'm probably going to rebook those trips too. And I said, well, we'll extrapolate that out to every other person in America. Everyone's going to travel again. So I think the moral of the story is we've got a vaccine coming, the economy's coming back, and we're going to see normalization probably sooner than later. That's the word this week. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,